This is an erotica podcast that focuses on LGBT relationships and teratophilia. Listener discretion is advised. Before me lies a field of wheat, an endless sea of brown and yellow as far as the eye can see. The field looks aggressive. Its edges rough and spiky, but I walked through it anyway. My naked body parts through the sea of grain, yet I feel no sharpness or stinging across my flesh. Instead, the grains caress me. They gently brush against my skin, pulling towards my body as if they crave it. They stroke my thighs, fondle my penis, and graze against my ass and tail. My cock hardens, excited by the prairie's ministrations. I smile to myself. I knew it would be like this. The sky is so beautiful, such a rich color of brown and yellow, like the brightest of amber. A raven flies through the sky. One of its feathers floats down and I catch it texture of it is weird. It feels silky and smooth, like touching freshly washed hair. It's beautiful. Blacker than the darkest of nights and shines brighter than the purest of obsidian. And this smell. I know this smell. This earthy aroma of patchouli and sandalwood. But there are no plants out besides the grain. How can I... My cock pulses. It stands straight up at the sky as if accusing it responsible for its state. Is it? I can feel my tongue salivating. My blood flows through me as if I'm on fire. My heartbeat is now the only thing I can hear. This field, this everything, I know it, I, somewhere, I know it, I want it. into the sun soon. The digits are nearly faded, but I can still tell that it is too early for me to be up. I look outside and watch as the full moon glows in the night sky. Night. Black. The tent in my sheets does not go unnoticed. <sighs> I place my hand underneath my bedding and begin stroking myself to completion. Hopefully, this will put me out for the rest of the night.
morning, Cherry. Good morning, Captain Basque. Cherry? It's Prince Vax. He's been getting on headquarters about being too friendly with co-workers. He wants us to refer to each other by our titles now. I'm Katabu Sherry, you're Captain Basque. Asmodeus is now Afisa Asmodeus, etc., etc. Prince Vex is neither king of this region or in charge of headquarters, so I will continue referring to my friend by her name. Good morning, Cherry. Fine, but if he comes back, I'm going into secretary mode again. Good morning, Basque. She's been looking healthier these past few weeks. Her horns look stronger, her cheeks rounder, and her fair skin, once dull, now brightens up the room. What's with the big smile on your face? I'm just happy to see you've been eating again. Asmodeus and I were worried that you would be nothing but skin and bones soon. Me? Bony? Never. So, did you finally go to the local brothel like I told you? No offense to the guys and gals down there, but that's the equivalent of eating cheap takeout. You know, you're picky for a succubus. I can't help it if I have a refined taste. So, who's the lucky person? Hmm? Your partner, who's been feeding you. I assume you must be seeing someone, considering how you're glowing right now. Oh, you... you wouldn't know them. This kingdom is only so big. Try me. Well, you see... Our conversation is cut short by the entry of two officers. One I know well. Asmodeus stands tall and proud, like always. His uniform is immaculate. His black beard trimmed and cut. Even his ram-like horns appeared spotless. Next to him was an Uzi. A nervous-looking Uzi at that. Telling by how the face of flowers they were carrying were shaking in their gelatin-like hands. Captain Basque, Kati Bucheri. So, the prince has gone to him too, I see. This is our new recruit, Elmer. He'll be starting on the force today. Uh, uh Afisa. Afisa Elmer, reporting for duty, allies. <laughs> At ease, soldier. Oh, are those flowers? They're so pretty. She was right. The petals were brown with minor strikes of yellow. The colors were striking, yet, despite never having seen this plant before, something about them seemed familiar. Ah, yes. Back where I'm from, it's customary to greet new friends with a gift. These are... Hazel. Uh, yeah. Hazel Fay. Are you a botanist, Captain Basque? Uh, uh, no. I, I assumed. Because of the color. I'll put these right on my desk so everybody in headquarters can see them. Um, I don't mean to alarm anyone, but I believe I smell a... a... a human. Calm down, everyone. It's just Basque. Oh, yeah. I forgot. I'm sorry. Captain Basque is... is a... is a human? No. I just work with one. You... you work with one? Technically. I'm sure you've noticed the gigantic stone wall that separates us from the human side of the kingdom. 
Well, in the middle of that wall is a station. We call it the Tunnel. It is the only path in Morimitsu that leads to Kijimura and vice versa. High-ranking Afisas from both regions are sent there to guard the station. We make sure no humans or monsters go through the tunnel without permission. I understand, but... I mean, to work so close to a human... We're cut off by a glass window. He stays on his side, and I stay on mine. However, there are holes in the glass that allow us to speak to each other. This is how I believe the human scent gets on me. His cologne is quite strong. May I ask why the wall was built? Back where I'm from, such extreme measures aren't necessary. About a year ago, there was an incident. A monster got caught with two human lovers. Two? Well, he was a Limia. And you know, two dicks. Anyway, that caused a huge uproar in the kingdom. Our king and the queen of Kijijimura built the wall to make sure an incident like that never happened again. But what happened to the monster and humans? Well, Lamia is carrying out his hundred-year sentence as we speak. The humans, however, were apparently very well known in Kijijimura, and got off only with paying a fine. Ah, oh, humans. Ah, this conversation reminds me. We need to be leaving soon. Huh? Don't say you've forgotten. It is the first of the month. King Jamal has his monthly meeting with the Council of Order today. Once every month, the King holds a meeting with the Council of Order. The point of the meetings is to discuss the current ongoings in the monster-based regions. High-ranking officers such as Asmodeus and I are sent to every gathering to protect the king, in case one of the council members felt the sudden urge to overthrow him. In all my years of being an Afisa, I never have seen a member of the council attempt to do so, but it is not the council I am worried about. Prince Vex is sitting at the end of the table. He looks more irritated than usual. His spotted ears are glued to his skull as if already on the attack. He also keeps picking at the thread of his robes, ruining the expensive fabric. Shame. It's such a fetching garment. A yellow baroque pattern on brown linen. Colors that remind me of... Still with us? Why? Sorry. I was just hoping that this meeting ends soon. The faster it ends, the faster I can get tunnel duty over with. And now for the last item of the meeting... The Treaty. There are lots of minor terms and conditions to the Treaty, but to keep this short, I'll just mention the major ones. The Treaty of Peace states as follows. To keep peace amongst each other, humans and monsters must stay in their own territory. Officers must accompany if ever a reason a human must enter monster territory, or vice versa. If a human or monster is caught on land that is not their own without an Afisa in accompaniment, the choice of punishment can be imprisonment or death. The same rule applies if ever a human and a monster are caught having sexual relations. <coughs> in the rare case of a human and monster forming a romantic relationship, the option of imprisonment is withdrawn, and the only choice is death. If these rules are not upheld, the treaty can be nullified, and thus, the war can continue. 
For those of you who wish to keep the treaty intact, including ugh, the condition of keeping human and monster separated, please raise one of your hands, paws, wings, or other appendages. Every hand goes up except one. Of course. For those who oppose- Yes, I do. This treaty is nonsense and will never last. We need to attack the humans, not try to be their friends. Your Highness, with all due respect, you've made this argument several times before, and in those several times, we have explained to you that it does not benefit us or the environment to attack the humans. It's not about making friends, but about keeping the continent livable. <sighs> War causes great damage to the environment. Or do you not remember how our great ancestors tore this planet apart due to their oil and coal-fueled battles? Yes, but we have evolved. We have solar-powered weapons now. If we attack them when they least expect it, we can get them before they get us. And why do you believe the humans plan on attacking us, brother? Have you not seen how quickly their technology advances compared to ours? It will only be a manner of days before they're on our kingdom steps with their lasers and bombs and microwaves. Treaty states that any advancement of war tech must be shared between both sides. And you just expect the humans to keep their word? The incident from a year ago would be the perfect excuse to end the treaty. Brother, if you end it now, you can help bring on a new era for monster kind all over. No. But- No! If I nullify the treaty, I put the lives of many monsters at risk. War is serious, Vex. People die on both sides. It's irresponsible for you to even ask for such a thing when you yourself have never even picked up a sword. The treaty has lasted for a thousand years, and it will last a thousand more. Now, if there are no more objections, Meeting dismissed. Captain Basque, can you stay behind, please? Uh, yes, your highness. We walk into one of his private boudoirs. Despite its grand decor, the room is quite peaceful. I note the kingdom's flag hanging above the nearby fireplace. The white crescent moon symbol on the blue fabric adds a nice royal touch to the room. How goes it at the tunnel? Fine, your highness. I feel like after today's meeting, I shouldn't have to stress the importance that it be heavily guarded at all times. We keep watch over it 24-7. The humans do the same. Good, good. He looks exhausted. Talking to Prince Vex would do that to you. A full-blooded were-hyena, powerful and strong, yet somehow arguing with his brother had made him look so drained. Your Highness, may I have a moment to speak freely? Go on. Prince Vex's sudden call for war is concerning. To be honest, his entire behavior these past few months has been worrying. Setting rules for headquarters, randomly ordering searches on vendors, attempting to ban any tech that is even close to being human-adjacent. If he's not careful, I'm going... The, the people may find a reason to send him to the guillotine. <laughs> yes, I understand my brother can be, uh, 
A lot. But please, try to hold your anger with him. Even as royalty, Vex had to live a hard life. You know, my father found him, abandoned on the streets, while traveling one day. He... couldn't have been more than a day old. On top of being teased for his mixed heritage, he had to grow up knowing his parents abandoned him. I believe his animosity for humans is more of self-hatred than anger. The more he attacks humans, the less he believes he is one. It's sad, honestly. I understand. I'll keep this in mind the next time I encounter the prince. And I will try to lessen my brother's dictator rulings. <laughs> Maybe I can calm him down by offering him some human fruit. As much as he claims to hate humans, he absolutely adores their produce. But I am keeping you here for too long. I'm aware that you have tunnel duty today. Yes, at noon. I'll be on high alert, making sure that peace continues throughout the kingdom. If I could kill him, I would. He does this every time. He brings in some rancid-smelling human concoction and places it right next to the glass window. And I know he does it on purpose. You've been glaring at me for a while now, Puff. Got anything you want to say? I see the amusement in his eyes. His bright, hazel eyes. No. Are you sure? You look ready to breathe fire. It couldn't be my lunch that's bothering you, is it? He then touches the soggy wrapped, whatever that is leaning against the window. I know you monsters have a more heightened sense of smell than us humans, but I hope it's not bothering you that much. He brushes his hair out of the way, and for a moment, I'm mesmerized by the shine. His hair is impossibly black, like staring into a void. Do human aphesas not have dress codes? What? Your hair is too long. If someone attacked you, all it would take is a simple grab at your ponytail and the match would be over. His hands ball up into fists. His brown skin reddens. It's a fish tail. It's childish, but I enjoy upsetting him. An eye for an eye, as they say. Regardless, it's inconvenient for battle. I do well in combat, Spyro. Hope the treaty remains intact and you never have to find out how well. Why wait on a piece of paper? You have the key. Use it. Again, I'm not usually this childish. But there's something about him that makes me want to get under his skin. And if I didn't care about the human race, I would. You should praise Anyanwu that I never lose my loyalty to humanity. Big talk for such a small man. You really think you can take me on? I can take all of you. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Good afternoon, Paz. Another delivery to the Humans Research Department? Yes, we recently discovered that some of the plants in this region can boost the effects of certain human medicine. Angel, the human I am forced to do my shift with takes out the paperwork and starts writing down the necessary information for Pascal's drop-off. He's an ass, but he's diligent. I will at least give him that. 
Name? Pascal. And? And what? Ugh. I keep forgetting you monsters don't have proper last names like us. I glare at him, but it goes unnoticed. Not like it matters anyway. There's nothing he can say that could dampen Pass's obsession. Okay, item? Plant samples from Morimitsu. Location? The Department of Research at Kijijimura. Have the items in question been shrunken down for transport? Yes, I got them done by a witch this morning. They should be good for at least five hours before returning to normal size. Put the items through the chute, please. Pascal places three miniature crates on the delivery table near me. The chute above the table sucks up the crates and spits them out on Angel's side. You will receive one of our headquarters messenger birds to let you know when your package has been delivered. Thank you. I... What is that on your wrist? Here we go. This? It's a watch. A watch? But it has no gnomon or markings. Instead, it appears to be made of glass and metal. What are those lines inside, and why is one moving? Oh, these? We call these hands. You have the tall one. It's the hour hand. The shorter one is the minute. And the one that is moving is the seconds, though technically they all move. You see, every time the second hand circles around, the big and short hands drift to the next number. Fascinating. Pascal is a good and smart bird, but I often dread his visits to the tunnel. His fascination with human tech makes his deliveries long. Every time he drops off a package, he catches hold of one of the many gadgets the human officers carry, and can't resist asking questions about them. What makes it worse is how much Angel enjoys it. He clearly loves having a lonely monster asking him about all the advancements humans have made over the years. His interaction between Pascal and me are like night and day. I get sneers while Pascal gets smiles. It's infuriating. Tell me, is this watch based on past human tech? Yeah, every day we find more relics and junk that allow us to recreate our ancestors' inventions. Your species tech is so interesting. I often wish I could visit your research department, pick a few brains on how to improve monster tech. The silence is brief, but noticeable. None of us feels the need to comment on the obvious. In theory, it is possible for Pascal to visit the human's department, as long as he requests an escort mission. However, Ephesus don't volunteer to take part in such assignments. We are too loyal to our regions. Besides Pascal, no monster would ever want to step foot on the human land, and it could be said the same vice versa. Well, I should be going. Please keep my package safe. Yeah, see ya, Feathers. Feathers? <laughs> Today was a busy one. First the meeting, then tunnel duty. How does this keep happening? We're separated by a window. A window with holes so tiny only buttons could fit through them. And yet somehow, I still keep coming home smelling like him. It's such a heavy scent too. Sandalwood and patchouli. If I don't get my uniform cleaned soon, the smell will flood the house. I can already feel it lingering in my nose. I need to... Uh, I'm hard. It seems my libido has been going haywire lately. 
popping up at random like a mere boy dragon. I blame tunnel duty. Ever since I got tasked with guarding it, I haven't had time for dating or even a simple hookup. <sighs> My cock springs free into the cool night air. It's drenched in pre-cum and pulses with need. I take in a deep breath and his scent fills my nose. I don't want to be reminded of him while I'm doing this, but suddenly he's all I can think about. Masturbating? How primitive. As if you humans don't do it too. Uh, yes, but at least we have the decency to keep it in the bedroom. I imagine him kneeling on the floor, his face inches away from my dick, looking it over as if grading it. Such a weird-looking cock, too. Black like onyx and unnaturally big. Don't act like you're not impressed. What makes you think I'm impressed? Besides, I bet it weird. What? My balls tighten and the head of my cock leaks like mad. I'm so close. You heard me, Dragon Boy. I said I wonder how it tastes. And I imagine it. I imagine Angel's tongue taking a long, leisurely lick from the balls of my cock. To the head of my shaft. I see white. I open my eyes and see my release on the wooden floor. But in my mind, I imagine it splattered on Angel's face. The white fluid contrasts beautifully with his brown skin. It drips over his bright hazel eyes. I even got some in that gorgeous, silky hair of his. Ugh, rude. And then he fades away. <sighs> Maybe I'm the one who needs to go to a brothel. That came from outside. Who's out here? It takes me a few moments to recognize the body at first. Their limbs blend well in the branches of the tree. What the? I walk over to the body hanging in the huge oak tree that takes up most of my yard. Whoever this person is has been hurt bad. There are cuts all over their skin and their clothes aren't in any better shape. Speaking of which, their clothes are a uniform of an Ephesus, but a human one. That... that aroma! I push away the curtain of black hair that hides the stranger's face, and I'm not at all surprised at what I see. Angel? Bask in Asmodeus was voiced by The Monster Boyfriend. Angel by Ben Russell. Sherry by Sunley. Prince Vets by J.B. Hampton Van Sant. Pascal by Lude Audio, Elmer by Kyle Nishimura, King Jamal by J. Royal VA, Monster 1 and Monster 2 was voiced by Tal Minear and Brandon Jenkins, 
Music Usins episode was called Nirvana Part 2 by Land Music. Script and sound design by Chelsea. Want to support the show? Follow and tweet at us at FunkHumans8. Want to support us with money donations? Check out our Ko-fi and Patreon link located in the description.